we live, baby. Oh, we are live, baby. Welcome to the Bench Captains Podcast. I'm your host. Da- I'm your co-host, Dave Sanford. With me is Nick Chestnut and Noah Fisher. How we doing, boys? Bro, we are good. It's a beautiful Saturday. Got some Buckeye football today. Can't complain. I, I didn't know you were the host, Dave. I know. I meant to say co-host. It just kind of mm-hmm. slid. It just cl- clearly slid out of my mouth. All right, boys. Well, before we get started, we're going to start something for the audience. Why do we name this podcast the Bench Captains Podcast? Well, we're each going to give a moment of our lives when we realized that we were a bench captain. And for me, I will, I'll give my story this week. Next podcast, one of the, one of the other co-hosts will give their story of their, their adventure of being a, a bench captain. But here is my story. So my senior year in high school, I played basketball and me and my, one of my best friends were playing together and, and we got called into a teacher's office. It wasn't even a coach. It was a teacher that called us into the office. The coach had communicated with the teacher. He said, we need you guys to buy in as the energy bringers of our bench. We want to call you guys the bench captains. Lead the excitement and the chance on the bench and get everybody fired up. Now, clearly, me and my friend walked out of the room and didn't talk to this teacher for at least a week and gave our coach the cold shoulder, but we didn't get any PT anyways. So that's when we kind of realized um, he went to the Marines and uh, I went into the to the workforce right away. We clearly didn't have a career in, in basketball, but that's what ended up happening. So, yeah, that's how I became a bench captain. I love it. I love that story. It's heartbreaking. But it, it makes a man out of you. Bench captains, <laughs> the game's underway. First quarter. As you know, the NBA draft was this past week, so we're going to be talking about that today. We're going to go over some winners, some losers, steals, and, um, and we're just going to go from there. So let's open up quarter one. I'm going to start with you, Noah. Who's, who's your winner from, from the NBA draft? My winner from the NBA draft are the Detroit Pistons. Which is weird yeah. because they've made a lot of moves from the draft to now um, in free agency with signing a buttload of bigs um, and wing players, which, which have been great. But if you look at who they took in the draft alone, drafting Killian Hayes, trading to get Isaiah Stewart, and stealing Sadiq Bay, all within the top 20 picks, was, was a fantastic move for Detroit, being able to bulk up a young core get a, a great guard, a great wing, and a great big for the future, is it was a great move for Detroit, 100%. So I will declare them my winner of the 2020 NBA draft. Okay, so what do, you, what, do you see, what do you see this as for them, for their future for this year? Is that like they're going for it now? Or is it like, hey, a couple years, they're going to be right up there? They're going to be legit in the next couple years. I don't think they're competitive very much with the rest okay. of the conference. Obviously, they're not going to be as good as, like, Milwaukee or Boston. But in, within the next, like, three to five years, as Hayes grows as a guard, Stewart grows as a center, learning under uh, the plethora of bigs they just brought in, um, and Bay <laughs> learning as a wing, one of the best 3 and D guys in the draft. Um, that, okay. They will be great in the next couple of years, but – Right now, I don't think they're going to playoffs or anything like that. 
Okay, I was going to ask, what, like, what's the percentage chance that they sneak in as the eight in the East this year? It's definitely possible. They can sneak in as the eight. Uh, I would, okay. I wouldn't be surprised if they did, but I just think there's teams better in the East. Makes sense. All right, Dave, your 2020 NBA draft winner. Yeah, no, I did like what the Pistons did. Uh, I actually went with the Atlanta Hawks. Atlanta, mm. to me, is making moves for the now while also thinking of the future as well. Uh, they they ended up taking Anyeke Okungwu, who, if you guys listened to the previous podcast, I, I'm a fan. I like the defensive prowess that he has. But they also have Clint Capella on their roster. And to me, this screams, let's develop Okungwu. Let's see if he can develop into the player that we think he can be. And then we don't have to pay Clint Capella, which means Atlanta can go after a premier player when that roster is ready to go around him, uh, around Trey Young and, and the, some of the young pieces that they have. Um, on top of that, they brought in Chris Dunn and Danilo mm-hmm. Gallinari. And to me, you know, if, if you guys heard the previous podcast, uh, Nick, I believe the Hawks were the playoff team that didn't make it last year that made it for you. They, they made a very strong argument to, to, that they could sneak in as an eight seed because I love the three yeah. moves ju- that I just highlighted, Akung Wu Gallinari and Chris Dunn. And you have second year of Cam Reddish and, and DeAndre Hunter. Very excited. And obviously Trey Young. He's, he's just a, a light show out there. He's a phenomenal player. So I look at the Atlanta Hawks. I like what they did. Yeah, well, I know I think Noah took them too. Did you not? I went with the Bulls and the Cavs, which mm, uh, that's right. Yeah, that's very unfortunate with the Cavs prediction, you know. But we'll see. <laughs> How about you, All Nick? Right. Who, who did you have, bro? I took I took the Kings. Um, just being able to stay at twelve, picking Halliburton. Um, he's I think he's going to complement De'Aaron Fox very nicely in the backcourt, um, and they didn't even have to move up, as you saw that for for what most deemed one of the better players. Um, in this draft, just from the, the standpoint of what all he can do while he's on the court, um, not necessarily needing to bring the ball up, needing to have the ball in his hands just to be effective. He can be effective on both ends of the court. So didn't even have to move. Got one of the better players at 12 um, to build around with De'Aaron Fox, bagging some of those other pieces going forward there. But then also, as you know from last week, talking about how Ramsey was one of my sleepers, being able to pick him up. Add some shooting on the wings to go along next to Fox, one of the quickest players in the league. Um, I'm a huge De'Aaron Fox fan. Um, if you ever played me in 2K, you know I just need a quick point guard. That's all I need. I don't care how well they can shoot. I just need a quick point guard. That's all I need. And um, so just being able to add both of those pieces in the draft, huge fan of what the Kings were able to do on draft day. So with that, who, who would, since you're the, the 2K guy with the fast point guard, who would you rather have play off ball as a two if they were to both start Halliburton or Fox? Oh, I think probably Halliburton. I think that's tough though. That's a good question. Cause I was actually kind of wondering that, but I think you're going to kind of see the same thing as well. When you look at what the 76ers did bringing in Tyrese Maxey, or when you look at the Pelicans going to get Lewis, it's going to start being a two guard, two guard league of who brings the ball up. Um, even as we talk Cavs fans, Garland, Sexton, um, having multiple guys that can bring the ball up. Um, so I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's both. I think right now I'd rather have Fox, but that might also just be due to the experience of it. 
But I think ultimately now you're going to be able to have one of those guys bringing the ball up, running your offense for a full 48 minutes. It's true. Halliburton is very unselfish. Seriously. Yeah. I think so I, I think that's a benefit. All right, Dave, we'll start with you this time. Losers from the draft. Guys, it's the draft. It's free agency. It's trades. It's all of it. And, and, and there's time to fix this. Let me, let me put this out there. There's time to fix this. But Milwaukee, you broke my heart because Milwaukee reminds me of the Cleveland Cavaliers. As I said in the previous podcast, they remind me of the, the mid-2000 Cleveland Cavaliers trying to put enough around LeBron. They're trying to put stuff around uh, players around Giannis, and they pulled off the Drew Holiday trade, which don't get me wrong. I love That's a great trade. But the Bogdanovich trade falling through, the – the fact that they traded their draft pick in the first round, which turned out to be RJ Hampton, who was a guy that I, I really liked. Uh, I had him in my notes in the previous podcast. And man, I Milwaukee, you need that, that three. I, I know you need a, a two guard who can be a third option with a third or fourth option who can go get a bucket and man, losing out on Bogdanovich to me, guys, I, Bogdanovich put them at the top of the East. I think that it's really hard to have, when you look at Brooklyn's situation, it's hard to have stars first year, get it right, and then make the finals and win it. I think the Bucks had that chemistry, that kind of roster that could have made a run for it this year. But without Bogdanovich, I, I don't know. I, I think they dropped a little bit in my, in my Eastern Conference rankings. Yeah, no, kind of going off that too, uh, it's going to be interesting. Like, is this enough? to get Giannis to stay. I thought yes, but then obviously as we talked about, that trade fell through. And because we were kind of going back and forth, I'm um, just telling my friends and I have like how many picks they gave up in their picks down the road too. Um, mm-hmm. So I actually love that trade, even from the Pelican standpoint side of, uh, of both sides, but it's, it's all going to mm-hmm. come down to where Giannis goes. Obviously like that's not real deep and bold to say, um, but if they gave up all those picks and didn't do enough to get Giannis to stay, it's going to be interesting. I think they then fall into that trap of that cycle that you want to try to avoid. Um, I think the Miami Heat got out of it, but I don't think many teams do of just, you're not at the top of the draft, but you're not making the playoffs or you're a first round exit. Like you're just that middle of the road. Yeah. Noah. Yeah. No, my loser of the draft was the Boston Celtics. I don't understand why they have an affection towards guards that are six foot one and under but that's all who they draft uh they drafted Carson Edwards last year and they picked up Peyton Pritchard this year which don't get me wrong I love Peyton Pritchard great ball handler did phenomenal at Oregon but he's not what Boston needs just because they have Jason Tatum who's ball dominant Jalen Brown who's ball dominant and who knows what's going to happen with Gordon Hayward, to be honest. They need to solidify their center position. They're going to make moves in free agency. And I, I think they already did sign somebody. I can't remember who, but they need to solidify. They need to draft based on team need, not a guard who's able to score. Because I don't think Peyton Pritchard nor Carson Edwards are going to be starting guards for the future. It was funny because, like, all throughout, like, it was always like, okay, Boston needs a center. Boston needs a center. And then all of a sudden it's Peyton Pritchard or like who, who are they going to get to, to be this center? It's true. I love Peyton Pritchard. I think he had a phenomenal career at Oregon, 
But at the same mm-hmm. time, there are a plethora of players that I think would better fit their system drafted in the second round that could have been taken mm-hmm. with their pick. He, he could be a stud. Who knows? Yeah, it almost it almost kind of looked like – I mean, sorry to translate it to the NFL, but like almost like the Packers pick. <laughs> of like you're preparing yes. for life after Kemba now. Like, hey, we're still going to have Tatum. We're still going to have Brown. We're going to have to pay those guys. We're going to need some rookie contract guys. Let's let's build up for life after Kemba now. Um, so I'm interested to see what that does um, just just for Kemba as well going forward. Hey, guys, I have some breaking news that I, I, I'd like to share live on our podcast and get a okay. live reaction to it. Fred Van Vliet agrees to a four-year, $85 million contract to stay in Toronto. Oh, let's go. He remains with the Raptors. We the North. Nick, as the happy Canadian, I'm sure is very excited about it. I am. I am. Because he should have been a New York Nick, and that should not have happened. I'm hyped. Let's go. Let's go to Tim Hortons, eh? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. He's a, he's a great player. I love Fred Van Vliet. I think for his size and his ability to play both sides of the ball, he's a great defender and can get a bucket whenever he needs to. Mm-hmm. Toronto signing him for three years is in a good spot for the future. Yeah, I think with um, Siakam and Anobi, I'm blanking. I'm blanking on the other wing, but but like I, I was I was hoping that they were going to take another move. Yeah, not just staying mm-hmm. pat, but like another move. Because you saw just even in the bubble wasn't quite enough against Boston. Um, but obviously with Boston being a loser, like, but you see the 76ers making moves, the Bucks making moves, Heat making moves. Like, like what were the Raptors going to do to take that next step to compete with them? It's true. Yeah, no, I, I like that. I like that. But continuing to end up the first quarter, it's winding down. My loser, it's just for now, it's going to be LaMelo Ball. I, I wanted him in Minnesota just to build around Russell off ball. But I'm sure Minnesota knows that Russell probably doesn't want to be off ball, but also then with Cat, but now ending up in Charlotte. Um, Charlotte's got a lot of potential with some young pieces, not potential that I personally am super high on, but I think if PJ Washington, Vernon Carey Jr. can develop as well along with ball, Devontae Graham, and just kind of building that young core a bit more, um, I think there is there there can be potential, but I just I don't know. I don't think they're going to attract big name free agents. What was the last big name free agent they ended up with Batum and Terry Rozier? Yeah. Oh yeah, that's right. That's right. Good call. Good call. So they'll have Rozier. But there was that too. a trade? Regardless, I overpaid. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. But so like, but that's kind of where they're at now. Oversigning the big name free agents to kind of get them to come in. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. Like they had Graham who just took that next step, Terry Rozier, like what are they going to do with those three guards? I know we were talking about it's going to be a two guard league, bring the ball up now, but it's just going to be interesting to see how it plays out, how he develops. And if he develops a jump shot, which I think he's capable of, but, but we'll see kind of like, like I was talking about with Edwards. So just, instead of just chucking, like let's, let's shoot a little more efficient. So for now, that's kind of, that's kind of my loser just because I did really want him in Minnesota. I think that's a way better fit for him now and the future. Um, but there's a lot of room of growth for this Hornets team, but they just have to keep that young core together and make it work. Because if it doesn't work, I don't know what they're going to do. Yeah. All right. That's the end of the first quarter for the bench captains heading into the second quarter. We're going to talk about some steals. Um, just steal drafts 
Uh, maybe so, and, and under under the radar, maybe draft pick things like that. Just some draft picks that we liked. Um, I'll I'll start this one. You guys start quarter one and quarter two. For me, second round, Vernon Carey Jr. Um, so obviously, I just talked about Ball being the loser, but but I like this. I like this big pick round two. Um, you always talk about um, th- like this is where your NBA drafts are going to be won and lost. Like this is where you'll really capitalize is if you can hit on these second round picks. I think being able to get a big from Duke because we talked about this are the smaller programs going to be able to produce these NBA ready players, which which they've shown that they can, um, but also they've shown that they can. So it's going to be interesting. But so I like this. I like this pick. I think I think he provided a lot um, just at his, uh, for his abilities at Duke. And who knows, like we said, if there was a March Madness and he got to show out, where would he truly have ended up? Uh, but so for me right now, one of my steals is Vernon Carey Jr. in the second round for the Charlotte Hornets. That's a good, I, that's a good point. You know, I, I really do agree with that. I, I think that when you're looking at building a championship roster, you have to see, can you hit those late picks? And, and, and not just your top 10 picks. Can you hit the teens, the 20s, the 30s, you know? You look at Golden State's roster, uh, Draymond Green, second round pick. So, or end of first, early, early second, I believe it was second round. Yeah. And so there's some very good players that are in the second round. Obviously we know Isaiah Thomas was the, you know, the last guy drafted in his draft this year. I'm going to go end of the lottery to the Phoenix Suns. I, I, I'm talking about uh, power forward Jalen Smith is my sleeper, uh, steal of the draft and the reason I say that is is because obviously everyone's going to talk about the the crisp effect how it affects Devin Booker but I think what people aren't talking about enough is how those two are going to affect everybody else they have a lot of other role players on their team and they have DeAndre Ayton but now they bring in Jalen Smith as a guy that maybe he comes off the bench maybe he gets some play playing time right away we'll see but I, I like it. I, I think anytime you can get a guy, you know, a power 46, 10, he's, he's got some skill. He can, he can hang with guards on the perimeter a little bit defensively. Um, obviously I think you'd want him to gain a little bit more size and, and, and get more muscle, but I I'm very intrigued by this because anytime you can get a guy that can catch and finish and, and maybe can bring a little bit of an offensive offensive spark early in his career, he can always build mm-hmm. off of that. And this guy is not Tristan Thompson coming out of the draft where he needs to figure out what hand he even wants to shoot the ball with. This is, I mean, this is, this is something that he can build off of. And you already have a hall of fame point guard, a hall of fame potential talent in Devin Booker and the number one overall pick in Deandre Ayton. Now they add Jalen Smith to the equation with Michael Bridges as uh, the wing player and Cam Johnson. So they have some players out in, in Phoenix, and this could be an interesting situation for him. I was surprised to see Jalen Smith go so high, to be honest. So they I was must, too. They must have been really high on him pre-draft. That would have been interesting to me, though. Like, if that's who they wanted, like, I feel like if the Celtics wanted to move up, like, something like that. But but I don't know. So I, I'm, I'm probably with no on this one. I was a little surprised to see him go. Um, I think with just some other wings out there that I liked more, um, just to currently fit them now. Um, but, but you can't go wrong. Like they took, they took a position that, and a player that has a high ceiling. Exactly. He can stretch the floor really well too. Um, yeah. But my steal of the draft is Nico Mannion to Golden State. 
I was big on him when he was in high school out in Arizona uh, as a two-time state champ. He just led his team to state championship after state championship, even playing junior year with current quarterback at Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler. It was pretty, pretty fun to watch, and he's just a very intriguing player. The main reason why he's the steal, in my opinion, is because he is able to learn under Steph Curry, which is just a big deal. Nico Mannion isn't a small guard, 6'3", 190, so maybe he's a little skinny. But Steph Curry's 6'3", 185, and he figured out how to make it work. So Nico Mannion definitely has to move on or work on his shot, um, but he has great court vision in college. He averaged 14 points a game and six assists. Uh, on the Pac-12 with Arizona and Josh Green. So he's definitely smart enough to play on ball and be the primary ball handler for a team, and he can make those right decisions. And once that shot develops, I think he'll be a, a great player in the league. Oh, yeah. And who better to learn from than Steve Kerr and Steph Curry? Exactly. Like, that's who you get to learn your NBA jump shot from. And Clay Thompson. Depends. He's not shooting a whole lot anymore. The only thing he's shooting is medication into his leg. I have a question for Noah really quick. I was about to ask him Noah. a question. Let's see if it's the same one. Okay. All right. So, Noah, you said 6'3", 190 is skinny. So, just no particular reason I'm asking this. If you have a 5'11", 5'10"-ish guy that's about 195, does that categorize him as skinny? Or is like, what, what do we – is it because of the height thing or – <laughs> I, don't know, man. I, I just think that, well i guess if we're speaking bench captains that's probably appropriate and i don't th- I, I think it's a solid number dave are you 511 195 uh, just about but thanksgiving's really gonna top the scales so uh, I i'm just you. kind of embracing the 195 while i can hey Bro, look, no, it's my tough out here for, for the is, bench captains <laughs> no my question for you is so you said nico Mannion. Yeah. All right, so so last week you came out here and said the Warriors were your NBA Finals prediction. Obviously, um, some things have happened since then. So I wanted to, to be nice because as our job as bench captains to build this team up, to give you a redemption shot on who your Finals prediction is going to be. I was tweeted this by one of our friends from college. I saw she kept receipts, bro. <laughs> she kept read receipts. She quote tweeted my tweet. I will touch on it in the third quarter as well, but because okay. Golden State has made moves in order to stay a contender. Even Bro, without- take us into the third quarter then. Let's go. Oh, that's fine. Let's go. I'll start the third quarter. The third quarter, we're going to talk about our favorite moves thus far uh, for, for trades and free agency. My favorite is Kelly Oubre Jr. to Golden State. And I feel like this is okay. a mm. big Golden State guy, and I'm not but they just run that organization and play basketball so well. It's just very fun to watch. Kelly Oubre Jr. to Golden State complete, doesn't completely cover Klay Thompson, but it definitely keeps them in the loop to contend for a final spot. Kelly Oubre Jr., a, a great athlete, fantastic defender, so it's definitely going to be able to cover that up from Clay. Obviously, mm-hmm. he can shoot as well. But being able to throw out a lineup of Steph, Wiggins, Oubre, Draymond, and James Wiseman is, is pretty tough. So they, they'll be a force to be reckoned with in the West. But if I were to redo my finals take, I would throw the Lakers in the Western Conference and still the Nets from the East just because Dennis Schroeder 
and Dave will touch on it, so I'll, I'll pass off to him, Montrez Harrell. Yeah, you know. And Wes Matthews. Yes, exactly. It, and let me just put this disclaimer out there for the, the, the listeners. to First of all, we're making predictions before moves were even being made. So in all fairness, injuries changed the entire complex of the conversation, okay? And not Noah, not going to hate on you for picking the Warriors. They're, they're the new Spurs. They're the new Spurs. It's as simple as that. But anyways, to get into both of our finals predictions again, look, I, I mean, the Lakers, they're going to they're gonna find a way to, to get Anthony Davis's long-term contract with them together. They just brought in Montrez Harrell, Wes Matthews, and Dennis Schroeder. They're, they're better. They, they're more athletic. They're younger. And, I mean, you upgraded your – you went from Dwight Howard to Montrez Harrell. You went from Danny Green, who's old and couldn't hit the broadside of a barn, to Wes Matthews, which he might have three or four different kneecaps in his knee at, the, at this moment. But he's, a, I mean, he's more of an athlete that can defend on the perimeter, and he can knock down a jumper or two. And Dennis Schroeder, are you kidding me over Rondo? Now, playoff Rondo is, I don't know what kind of being that is, but Dennis Schroeder is a younger version who can uh, provide a different kind of spark for that team. So you get Lakers just, man, they're filthy right now. They're filthy. And I, I'm sure they are not done yet. I, I would not be surprised if we saw another move to bring in a, another big guy or they, they wanted to go out and they, and they bring in another scorer. I would not be surprised. It'd be the least surprising thing to me because Rob Palenka is in his bag. He is in his bag, and he's throwing that money all around. He does not care. He wants chips. So, Do you think yep. they move Kuz? I think they should. I, I Honestly, why not? Try to see what you can get. I mean, if the sign-and-trade market is still there, I don't see why they wouldn't pursue a Bogdanovich trade. Go get a young scorer, another young piece that you can put around Bron Bron, a guy that can knock down shots, but when LeBron's out, somebody that can run pick and roll with Harrell and Anthony Davis. If you can find a way to flip Kuz for Bogdanovich, sweet Moses, that that's filthy, bro. <laughs> with all due respect, the Lakers will stomp out most of the teams in the West and the East. Bro, for me, um, I had – there's two There's two I want to touch on. Um, since, since Damian Lillard is my boy, loved him since he entered the league, that trade – to pick up Covington, absolutely love big upgrade from Ariza into Covington. So I love, love, love that Covington trade. But then also we got to talk about it. It happened. I spoke it into existence last weekend when we recorded CP3 to the Suns. Mm. Um, I love it. Um, I love how little they had to give up. I don't think they had to give up as much to get him um, for a player. Now they got to show Booker that they're in that they're going to consistently build around him or else it's going to happen what happened with Giannis and the Bucks of if Giannis leaves because they, he didn't have that buy-in of a win-now culture. Um, so I think they're showing to Booker that they win now. You have eight in there now, bringing in Smith. I love it. But also, kind of what we talked about is I don't, I don't think they're done. I think they understand that this can't be it right now. But I do love these first steps for them. And I think that was a great underrated move for the offseason of getting him for the sole purpose of trying to keep Devin Booker in town to have him be a career son. 
Mm. So, so I, I love that. And yet, any other off-season moves you guys kind of want to touch on? I'll jump in right now. I, another off-season move I loved, and I think there's you can point to all 75 first-round picks that the Oklahoma City Thunder own, um, mm. but I'm going to point to a team that made a deal with them, actually, and it's the Philadelphia 76ers. Um, they Daryl Morey came into this team and with Doc Rivers, and they said, you know what? What does this team lack shooting? They end up moving an impossible contract to move. I mean, Al Horford's contract was such a bad signing. I, I, I couldn't believe that they even did that. I thought it was a horrible signing when they first did it. But they moved his contract and got Danny Green to do it. Now, I know I just dogged on Danny Green for the Lakers. He can still he's still a shooter. Okay. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna hate on the guy because he got guys look, we're all we know the deal. Shooters shoot. It's a lifestyle on and off the court. Shooters shoot. It's what you gotta do. And Danny Green, yep, yep, no, great form. No, I I wish you guys could see that form that he just had. It was beautiful. Um name things that we won't see from Clay Thompson this year too soon. Anyways, Danny Green to the 76ers, I like it. And then they get Seth Curry. I like it. They clear contracts. They get shooters in there. Daryl Morey knows what he's doing. And, and the Sixers, I mean, if they did that Harden for Ben Simmons swap, that could be filthy. And they would have a team that's ready to go. But even with Ben Simmons, that hey, they got a chance. They got a chance in the uh, in the East. So we'll see what happens. How about you, Noah? Who do you got? I mean, I love – Oklahoma City and what they've been able to do. I think they understood with, with Chris Paul leaving that they're not doing anything right now. Yeah. Um, and they're, they seem like a franchise that like will stay for the long haul um, and just build around Shea Gilgis Alexander because uh, he's gr- he grew a lot last season. And I think they're ready to kind of hand him the keys. Um, so they just offset Stephen Adams to New Orleans. So I think they're just getting ready and bulking up their 300 draft picks uh, to be really good within the next couple of years. I like it. And the final move I think that I need to talk about is what happened at pick number five, Isaac Okoro for the Cleveland Cavaliers. You don't have you guys, to talk about it. Um, <laughs> I think, I think I'm, I'm kind of in on it more than um, my fellow bench captains. Um, as, as you know, from last week, Dave and I both picked him as our bust. Um, so it's not who I wanted to see. Um, I do love his attitude, his mentality about defense. Um, as obviously we were we were last in defense last year. I think we need that. We talked about how we need somebody who can go out and play with the wings. A lot of room for offense. So I do think that um, offense is way easier to teach than a defensive mindset of wanting to go play defense. And I know that as someone who does not enjoy playing defense. Um, so, so that's kind of where I'm at. I'm okay with the pick. We'll see. Time will tell. I think with this pick, I'm not. It's not someone I'm going to rule out just yet. Um, but but we'll see. Any closing thoughts on the cast picks from you guys to end quarter three? I mean, I'm sure you guys agree. Would you much rather have Isaac Okoro starting at the three than Chetty Osman? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> That's not even a absolutely. question. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I'd like to see Kevin Porter at the three, honestly. Um, but you know, that situation's interesting. But yeah, no, Nick, you, you bring good points. Like he's a, like nobody was questioning his athleticism going into the draft. Nobody was questioning his athleticism or his defensive prowess. 
he's got potential there. But the problem is, is he a playmaker, a, a true scorer? His, his shooting percentages were not there. Uh, is he a catalyst? Yeah. Can he do these things? And I, I get that you have a couple other players that you can rely on to be that. But at number five, are you drafting a defensive exactly. specialist? That's exactly. the question. And and Isaac Okoro, I mean, he works out with with Colin Sexton. So and we know that Colin Sexton has developed, and he's a grimy player. That dude will work his tail off. And if Isaac Okoro has the same work ethic, maybe we have a different conversation in a year or two down the road and, and just go from there. But, yeah. yeah, we'll see. That's the end of the third quarter. I mean, as you know, the fourth quarter is for starters, except now the game has gotten away and we're up by 30. So we have our new segment, Garbage Time. Garbage Time is where we're just going to throw out just a random one conversation. It may not even have anything to do with current relevant sports, um, but today we're going to introduce that we also do talk about football. So we're going to close with Garbage Time football MVP predictions. Noah, you can go first. I don't want to get as much heat as I feel like Nick is going to throw at me, but mm-hmm. I am all for Kyler Murray for MVP mm-hmm. this season. Just comparing it to mm-hmm. last year and the magic that Lamar was able to do, Kyler Murray has more, mm-hmm. more passing yards, more rushing touchdowns, uh, more passing touchdowns, and uh, just as good total QBR as Lamar Jackson. And Nick's going to come at me and be like, what's the record? They're losing games. It's, it's week 10, baby. There's a lot left. They could crack in the playoffs. They could they still got a lot of moves, man. Bro, it wasn't, that, it wasn't that they're losing games. I was just saying if he didn't connect on that Hail Mary, we would be looking at three consecutive losses. Um, Seahawks, Bills, and who was right before that? Um, I'm blanking. But it was another yeah. It was another competitive team where then you would have been like, oh, they're not for real. So when you lost been to Detroit. That's right. Okay. Um, so you're looking at those three. But all right, I'll take it. Dave, who are you going with? Look, guys, I think it's cute. Kyler Murray is a fun little ride, you know, yeah. for him. Guys, this is Patrick Mahomes' award, and they're 8-1. and one. He's, he's, thro- he's got a 66.9% completion percentage. He's thrown about 2,600 yards, 25 TVs, one INT with a passer rating of 115.9. Look, their one loss this year, they scored 34 points in. And the Raiders played one of the best games of the season. And the reason why I'm pointing out the Raiders is, guess what Sunday night football is tomorrow? Oh, man. It's Kansas City and the Raiders. I, you know, it was cute that the Raiders won. But what's going to happen tomorrow is borderline disrespectful. Patrick Mahomes is going to run away with it. Because they play the Saints, they play the Buccaneers coming up soon. They're going to have some big games to prove that, that he's, the, he's still that man, and he is that dude. So, uh, Patty Mahomes for MVP. That's cute. Um, so, who's, who, does Mahomes, who are Mahomes' targets? Uh, yeah, you know, sometimes you're going to need players to, to make plays, right? So, I, mm-hmm. I, obviously, he's got playmakers around him, but one interception. Kelsey, Hill, yeah. Edwards, Alaire, Bell. Yeah. Hardman, Watkins. Eight and one. Eight and we're one. looking at that. So we're going to look now at Aaron Rodgers, higher completion percentage, um, around 100 less yards, one more touchdown, only two more picks. And he's Devontae Adams has missed games. All right, but outside but, that, so this is going to be a big weekend. All right, I think Rodgers loses it, 
if he does not play well against the Colts. If he comes out and balls out against that Colts defense, I think he's the leader going in, and then it's his to lose. So I think it's going to be based off of this weekend. So that's why Aaron Rodgers is going to be my pick. I think he does ball out against the Colts this week, which will be big for Browns fans with Mahomes and Rodgers both balling out and giving the Raiders and Colts losses this week. The only thing uh, I have to say about that <laughs> is you have to score more than seven points against Tampa Bay if you want to be an MVP. And uh, seven points is not going to cut it. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. All right, boys. It's been real. That's all for Bench Captains. Stay tuned for next week.